Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We have a very special guest on today's show, Professor William K. Hartman, planetary scientist, astronomer, author, and artist, will be speaking to us in the second section today about his new book, The Grand Tour. This is an absolutely uh, beautiful atlas of the solar system that combines some original artwork with, uh, with some fabulous space photos. Truly a blending of the left and right brains uh, in, in this man and in this work, something we can recommend to you very highly. Stay tuned for that in segment two. In our third segment today, we're also going to talk to an old friend, Sean Minton, who I think has made... I believe more appearances on this program than any other guest will be returning after a long, uh, a long layoff to talk sports with us in uh, segment three. On this date in history, August 11th, 1492, Spanish-born Rodrigo de Borgia is proclaimed Pope. Known as Alexander VI, he was suspected of buying out church officials to obtain the papacy. Though charged with corruption by historians, he had a policy of tolerance toward Jews. August 11, 1860, the United States' first successful silver mine begins operations near Virginia City, Nevada. On this date in 1877, American astronomer Asaph Hall discovers the two small moons that orbit the planet Mars. And August 11th, 1952, Prince Hussein was proclaimed the King of Jordan after his father was declared unfit to rule on grounds of mental illness. King Hussein was the third constitutional King of Jordan and a member of the Hashemite dynasty, said to be in direct line of descent from the Prophet Muhammad. He died in 1999 as the 20th century's longest-serving executive head of state. Our quote of the day comes from San Francisco Chronicle media uh, columnist Mick LaSalle, who said that um, you can set fire to an actor's grandmother, but if you give him good notices, he'll figure out a way to regard the unfortunate grandma incident as an isolated lapse in judgment from an otherwise benevolent, discerning individual. And our joke of the day is as follows. Doctor to patient, I have good news and bad news. The good news is, you are not a hypochondriac. And an email from a listener. This came from Steve, who noted that he thought we were wrong several weeks back when we complained about Neil Diamond. He said, my stepdaughter fell in love with him, and I thought he had a decent voice. I thought it was the lyrics he wrote. Many times I thought if only he was singing other people's songs, I wouldn't be puking my guts out. And we would note for the record that it was Neil Diamond that composed the monkeys. I'm a believer. And news alert. Tonight, August 11th, will be the peak of the Perseid meteor shower. We suggest that if you'd like to see a maybe 80 meteors per hour, which is pretty typical of a meteor shower, 
and of the Perseids in particular. You got to go out after midnight and look east. Pinhead-sized debris that's left from the comet Swift-Tuttle as it orbits uh, the sun will be striking the Earth at 37 miles per second, twice the speed at which the Earth circles the sun. They will, of course, rapidly burn up and, and leave a nice show in their wake. Like the headline from The Onion, <laughs> Bush consults with Carl Rove out of how to proceed with Rove firing. And we must note the successful return from space of the first KDVS DJ to orbit the Earth, Stephen K. Robinson, Ph.D., who apparently at one time was the program director here at KDVS and had a, a folk show back in the 70s. We're still trying to run down some of his contemporaries, and it may be that we'll be able to bring to you Stephen K. Robinson in the future. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be cool? I think that uh, Kirsten... Uh, Sanford of This Week in Science is working on that, and, and you may be able to hear um, an astronaut and KDVS DJ right here on 90.3 FM. If you were listening two days ago, you caught, uh, you caught a, a surprise visit by myself and, and Kirsten to Jeff Kravitz's show. Jeff showed up late. I listened to uh, Skip managing without him and just sort of wandered in like, what's going on? You don't have no host? Skip said, sit down. <laughs> so I sat down before the mic. Jeff showed up late and... I don't know, we had a pretty good time, and Kirsten came in the middle of that, so it was unprecedented time of three separate public affairs hosts in the booth at the same time. It was actually pretty fun. We need to do some more of that. We mentioned a couple of shows back that Sir Richard Dahl, the scientist who first confirmed the link between smoking and lung cancer, had passed away at age 92. And um, earlier this week, ABC anchorman Peter Jennings succumbed to lung cancer. Jennings was, of course, a long-time smoker and undoubtedly contracted this disease, which killed him prematurely due to his smoking habit. Sacramento Bee noted that, I didn't remember this, that Peter Jennings actually became an anchorman at age 26, didn't do very well, then went abroad and covered many of the most prominent international stories of the past 35 years. Starting in the Middle East, where the Bee described him as perhaps the most knowledgeable reporter for a U.S. network. This prompted Nash Bogosian, staff writer of the L.A. Daily News, to note uh, that uh, Peter Jennings' death points to the dangers of smoking. And this is worth going over, I think, one more time on this show. It's estimated that 400,000 Americans die annually from tobacco-related illness. That's over 1,000 a day, every day. That includes 160,000 from lung cancer alone. Despite warnings that smoking can cause cancer, bronchitis, emphysema, heart disease, and even impotence, an estimated 54 million Americans smoke cigarettes. The American Cancer Society says about 174,000 new cases of lung cancer were diagnosed in the U.S. last year. It, it can be hoped that, that a high-profile lung cancer death, such as Peter Jennings's, can have the good effect of scaring people off the habit. According to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the reality is that three out of four smokers want to quit but cannot. 75% of smokers say they wish they'd never started. We need to remind you, it is a vicious addiction. I used to ask people when I was a medical intern, when we had numerous heroin addicts up on the wards, I would ask them, which is easier to quit, heroin or cigarettes? And about three-quarters of the time, maybe maybe 80% of the time, the heroin addicts would say, oh, I can give up the heroin. 
but I can't quit smoking. Studies have shown that with the possible exception, the possible exception of crack cocaine, it is the most addicting drug out there. And uh, in medicine, it is a fact that of all the interventions known to medical science, far and away the most important one is to stop smoking if you indulge. I think, I think I'll stop now, but uh, all of you who smoke, please, please do yourself that favor and, and give it up. Now, for some reason, I don't know why this happened, Comstock's magazine appeared in my mailbox, uh, which is a local business journal, but I was kind of surprised. It had, some, it had some pretty good stuff in it, an article about eating locally, about how Randy Paragary and Kirk uh, Spartaro have opened numerous successful restaurants here in the Sacramento area. And, uh, you know, those of us who may wish to avoid eating in all these numerous chains might want to consider uh, having a nice meal in one of those restaurants. We probably should get Mr. Spartaro, Mr. Paragary to talk to us about food on this program. I think that's a perfectly legitimate aspect of public affairs, and we're going to try and make that happen. But I want to quote one little blurb from Comstock that I was horrified by, noting the traffic situation that is now developed in the greater Sacramento area was titled, Save That Starbucks Trip for Later, noting the worst time of day to attack difficult projects between 4 and 6 p.m. The late afternoon, early evening was pegged by a third of surveyed executives as the least productive time of day, followed closely by the noon to 2 p.m. slot. The late morning, 10 to noon, was believed to be the best time to undertake critical tasks. When I used to live down in Orange County and I used to live in the Bay Area, I used to just be horrified at how you'd have to plan your the time of day to go out and get something done. But thanks to uh, people like Angelo Sakopoulos and other big developers here in the area and what they've done out in Roseville and in Laguna and in Elk Grove and, and now in North Natomas, you uh, can now count on traffic jams as a regular part of, uh, of your work week in, in the area. And this is a pretty sad commentary. A lot of us moved here to get away from this. I think when you got to start planning the time of day to do something and, and you got to tune into the radio to find out what the helicopter says about the traffic, and when you've got to urinate and it's a serious problem, I think those are three reasons to think that you're living in too urbanized of an area. My producer looking at me like, what do you mean urinate? Well, at least for us guys, if you're living in an area that is insufficiently rural to where you cannot relieve yourself in a timely fashion... Well, it's just, I just, that's one of my standards. It's getting just a little too urbanized. Remember one time on a trip to Boston where I first formulated this rule, I'm walking around Boston and it's like, you know, I gotta go. It's like, there's no bathrooms. There's no public bathrooms. There's no, you know, ravines where you can just take a stroll out into. You've gotta go and there's no place to go. There's the producers writing me notes saying like, how can this be a problem? Don't you just take an an empty Gatorade bottle around with you? Well, uh, no I don't, Mr. McMillan. Okay, um, gosh, I've got so many items to do. Well, you know, luckily, I'm going to be sitting in for Steve Valentino uh, next Tuesday at 5 o'clock, so we'll have a little bit of the overflow from today's program spilling into that. All right, here's an item. Bill Capel of Yuba City is a retired grocery store worker who may soon be an English lord. Apparently, last month, Capel got word that the 10th Earl of Essex had died, and that the 11th, who had inherited the title, is his fourth cousin once removed. 
His cousin is a childless bachelor, so that makes Capel next in line to be the Earl of Essex. Capel, who didn't even know his cousin, was stunned. Though he doesn't stand to inherit any castles or estates, he's seriously considering moving to England to fulfill his ceremonial role. I'm excited about it, he said. I'm planning a trip to meet the Earl to say hi and let him show me around. You know, we, we have to make an effort here to see if we can't bring Bill Capel the possible future Earl of Essex from Yuba City, under this show. According to the Wall Street Journal, to give paying visitors a little more entertaining view of the animals, most U.S. zoos are now putting papier-mâché prey out in, uh, in cages that are stuffed with meat. Apparently these papier-mâché uh, prey items are put in the cages of lions, tigers, and other big cats who then attack the fake prey, rip them apart, and feast on the innards. Entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, from the 12th century. No, no word yet on whether these zoos are planning to get in, into the bear baiting and bull baiting business. I want to thank James Brady of Parade Magazine uh, for the following item. Actress Kyra Sedgwick actually pronounces her name Kira. So if you've been pronouncing the name of Kevin Bacon's wife as Kira or Kyra, you should stand corrected. It's Kira. Hair-raising article in the Chronicle about, uh, you know, Governor Schwarzenegger's uh, staged media event where he, he basically fixed a pothole in San Jose. We told you about that. But you know what? Tune in Tuesday. I'll talk about that on, uh, on Stephen Valentino's program, Stop Making Sense. We'll close the first segment here with uh, the fact that, rather interestingly, a woman from Vacaville, Cindy Sheehan, has traveled to Crawford, Texas, to ask George Bush why it was her son had to die in Iraq. Now, this is actually caught on. Daniel Shore did a commentary on this yesterday saying that he thinks that this, this item involving the Gold Star Families for Peace is gaining some momentum. And, uh, and Cindy Sheehan plans to follow Bush back to Washington if he will not meet with her, and he surely will not do so. We'll see how this goes. The latest polls show that 61% of Americans now disapprove of how George Bush is handling the war in Iraq, and only one-third of Americans believe that the war in Iraq has made us safer. We will follow that story as it unfolds. Uh, we need to take a break. We'll be coming back with a very special guest, Professor William K. Hartnell will be joining us uh, momentarily. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and this is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.